seven and nine, they are very much in that place where they want to take care of parents. They want to please you. They want you to be okay. They're watching you to see if you're okay. If you're not okay, they feel a little emotionally unsafe. So how can I make dad okay when he doesn't look okay? Yes. So they're going through those things where if they were teenagers, they would be ignoring you completely and could care less whether you're okay. But seven and a nine-year-old are definitely going to want to take care of you. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. I'm Diane Dirks. I'm Rick Voyles. We're back, Diane. I know, we're back again. Yes. That's good. It Uh, is good. Because it seems like uh, we're getting more and more listeners, and that's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, who thought that people would value what we had to say? (laughs) (laughs) And recently, I saw that we were number 60 something in Iceland as far as our rankings go. (laughs) I'm curious about that. Of the seven people in Iceland, (laughs) we are number 65. And we appreciate every single (laughs) one of you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, But we know this is not about the numbers. This is about just getting information out to people who care about the subject matter. That's what the numbers represent to us. You are a listener, whether you are a parent or you are a professional, we appreciate you. And we hope that you listen to what we say and don't just agree with everything. We really hope that we like people challenging us. That's how we learn. And so I've been having some interesting discussions on my Instagram and my Twitter account and on our Facebook page. So we hope that people will continue to offer challenges. I haven't had any outright, you are wrong, Mm -hmm. but more, what about this? What about that? Yeah, we like those kinds of questions because we know this is not a black and white world that we are dealing with. So we have this week, I got an email from Anthony. He didn't really ask a question. Mm -hmm. He just sort of signed it a concerned parent. So my feeling was that Anthony wanted to just give us an idea of his situation because maybe he needed to vent about it. But He mentioned some things that I think connects to what we talked about with Dr. Ben Garber in our last episode with regard to high conflict situations, high conflict people. And we've talked about this before, that oftentimes a co-parent dyad includes a high conflict personality. Sure. Doesn't necessarily mean a personality disorder, but people can be prone to high conflict Sometimes because that's how they were raised. If you were raised in a chaotic, high-conflict home, you feel very comfortable in that. Yeah. Um, people that are extremely insecure will create conflict just so they can have the makeup sex later. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons uh, uh, yep. <laughs> that people engage in high-conflict behavior, but it's it's pretty common to divorce situations that are unsettled or unresolved. And so Anthony brings up a few things. It's kind of a long email, but I'm going to highlight a few of his comments. He's been divorced for two years. They have a seven-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son. And his comments were mainly about her, his co-parent. Yes. She never seems satisfied. She's always looking for or making issues, even if she needs to create some kind of story. I'm assuming what he means by story is, 
so that she has fodder for a future court case. Maybe. <laughs> uh, she on occasion plans things on my weekends, which I have let her have after a few hours of arguing and she has kept them. Not sure what he means by that. Now she is taking me back to court for primary residence and to reevaluate child support because she quit her job last year and claims to make no money. My daughter just recently had to get five teeth pulled because she doesn't stay on them and their hygiene. There have been several small things like this, but nothing I can bring up in court that they would do anything about. Sorry for all my rambling. I can be here for days. Thank you Mm. for your time. Oh, Anthony. We've talked about this before in high conflict cases where there's a lot of blame. Obviously, we're not getting the mom's side of the story here. Right. We're getting Anthony's. She did this. She did that. Look what it, how it's hurting my children. I can't really take it to court. So I'm getting a picture of a person who feels completely powerless. Yes. And, and, and wants somebody to at least acknowledge that or hear that it sounds yes. like yeah yep. so anthony we acknowledge yes <laughs> and i think we've said this many many times before and it's never hurtful to say it again that all you can control is the kind of parent you are in your own home right so our advice always will be yeah that stinks that this isn't a perfect situation or that she's creating conflict where there doesn't need to be conflict or she's not taking care of the children in a way that you wish she was, or that you're having to give in after hours of arguing. And that's so very frustrating. We hear all of that, but the bottom line, Rick, that you talk about all the time is the long game. Yes. The long game is do these children have one parent who isn't creating the conflict? Do they have one parent who is taking care of their dental hygiene? Do they have one parent who can be the buffer and absorb all of that for their sake? Yeah. So I think, uh, first of all, Anthony, what you're going through is not atypical that we as well, especially us deal and hear this a lot. And so some sense of normalizing it, but not making it okay that you're, you're going through that. But the question becomes then, yes, Uh, So if if we were talking personally with you right now, I would say, yes, that is horrible. She's doing terrible things. What does your child need from you? Yes. Because of that. And, and not because there's no way we can talk about changing her and there's no way we can talk about stopping that, but we can talk about you putting up buffers and boundaries to have a better response for your own health. But then ultimately, all right, this is the person I have to deal with. Well, what does my child need because of that person? And what can I give my child because of that? Yes. And so he is so very important to keeping the child out of the middle of these little conflicts, right? Yes. And how to protect them from being in the middle of the fight. I'm a little concerned that he, it seems he is in that hopeless, helpless state. Right. And that could create some victimization or needing for the child to take care of him. Yes. Because he's feeling kind of depressed about it or downtrodden or needing somebody (laughs) to be there for him. So, Anthony, I would be very, very careful and guard against that you don't 
draw your kids into your needs, right? Right. <laughs> the, 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 the message. You, you, Go he ahead. said in one point he has been thinking about going to talk to somebody, and we highly recommend that you do that Absolutely. so that you're not tempted to turn to your children at seven and nine. They are very much in that place where they want to take care of parents. They want to please you. They want you to be okay. They're watching you to see if you're okay. If you're not okay, they feel a little emotionally unsafe. So how can I make dad okay when he doesn't look okay? Yes. So they're going through those things where if they were teenagers, they would be ignoring you completely and could care less whether you're okay. But seven and a nine-year-old are definitely going to want to take care of you. So be very careful that you're not turning to them. So yeah, I think it's a great idea to go to a professional or even if you have good friends that you can talk with to vent these kinds of frustrations too is, is a good idea. Yeah. And I would even, I would go so far and tweak this for me, Diane, I would go so far as yes, definitely go get someone to talk to a, a therapist, but then communicate to your child, especially mm, I would communicate it when you could, I'm okay. You want to send that message as much as possible so that your children, especially at this age, aren't thinking about it, aren't worried about it. But even go so far as to say, I've got people I'm talking to. I'm okay. You don't have to worry about me. It's my job to take care of you and model for them that when you need help, that that's the healthy thing to do. You go get help. Yes. You think that's going too far? No. And I think sometimes it's helpful to say to our kids when they ask us, and these kids may, if they see dad looking sad or frustrated, daddy, are you okay? Or can I do something for you? Or if you notice that they're trying too hard to make you okay, to be able to say, no, 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 that's not your job. I have friends that I'm talking to about what I need to talk about, or I I have, it's okay to even say I have a therapist. Yes. We want kids to have a good feeling or view about therapy. It doesn't mean there's something wrong. It means there's somebody valuable in my life that I can talk to. And that protects you from having to hear what my frustrations are because these are adult frustrations and you just need to go and be a child that can give your child some sense of peace that, okay, I don't have to worry about my parents. Somebody else is worrying about my parents. Yeah. One of my daughters has this healing spirit where she's sensitive and and wants to help, right? One of those. And so she would be concerned about me. And I got to the point where I was talking to my best friend on a regular basis in order to, to get my help. And instead of the conversation then shifted, I'm okay. I'm talking to this person, this person, this person, but I would specifically name my best friend. And then the conversation turned where she would ask me next week, did you talk to your best friend this week Right, okay. and, and, and name him? And then, yes. And then you could see, okay, she's okay. Right. right. And now, now she could be a kid, but yeah. it was at checking in. Did you talk to? Um, she wanted to know, am I needed? In this right. Moment? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and if you don't need me, then I can relax around yes. that. And that's awesome. Then, so yeah, if, then I can need you. If, right. If now, exactly. Yes. And I can count on you to be there for me. When I, yeah. Instead of the other way around, it's not their job to take care of your emotions. It's your job as a parent to take care of your child's emotions. So, Anthony, very important that around these issues that you're 
doing what we've said before, asking questions of your children, finding out how they're doing. Are you worried or concerned about anything? Mom said you had to get five teeth out. That must've been horrible. I hate the dentists. I'm sorry that I couldn't be there to hold your hand while you're getting five teeth pulled out. That's a lot. So being able, instead of saying or blaming, and I'm not saying that Anthony does, but some parents would say something like, well, that's if your mom got you to brush your teeth more often, you wouldn't have to go to the dentist and get five teeth pulled out. Right. Obviously that's true, to, but yeah. We why don't say want it? to say that to her yeah. child. And we don't even want to have the body language that that might be what we're thinking. Cause all that does is cause the child to feel guilty. Yes. Right. Okay. It's my fault that dad's upset because I should have known to brush my own teeth and I didn't, or I should have done something differently. And it puts them in that position of I'm somehow culpable or responsible for this conflict, which children seven and nine are also prone right. to thinking that this is somehow their fault that they created this problem. And so be very, very careful that you protect them from that. I want to take this in another direction. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about Anthony needing to focus on his child's needs and be the best parent he can be and not focus on the blaming. But I think this is common. I don't know anything about Anthony's past, but I suppose, or I bet that when they were married, this was all predictable. Uh, You mean a a pattern persisting (laughs) even past the divorce? Well, yeah. So we always say, don't expect a divorce, which you didn't get in marriage, Uh right? Yeah. (laughs) Because that just doesn't make any sense. So if your ex-spouse was always late when you were married, then don't expect once you get a divorce, they're going to show up on time with the kids, right? But yet we hear all this vitriol about that. Well, they're always late. Like it's this shocking event. And if you ask someone, well, were they always late when you were married? Oh, yeah. Like, we didn't even see the previews at the movie theater because we had to walk in when it was dark. (laughs) It was just the pattern to be late. So it always strikes me that people say things after the divorce that they didn't have the courage to say while they were married. Yeah. Say more. (laughs) I think you're onto something there. (laughs) Maybe it's not courage as much as it is. I want to preserve the relationship while I'm married, right? Because I think our brains have to be able to survive our current situation. So we do what we can to make that as peaceful as possible. And you think, well, we're always late. Ha ha ha. Isn't that funny? She's so late all the time or he's so late. And it's not an, maybe it's a non-issue when you're married because it's not worth fighting over. Right. Right. The good of the relationship outweighs the bad. Right. Okay. So we'll keep the good. Or you should have said something. Ah, that might. Yeah. And you didn't say something, whether it's about lateness or anything else, and you kept it all bottled in. And then once you got a divorce, you just thought, well, now it's time to let it out. Uh Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think isn't quite fair. I see. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to let it out now, right? And sometimes, let's say there's domestic violence or emotional Mm. abuse in a relationship, it makes sense that you wouldn't say something because that might elicit more abuse. But we also say to victims of abuse, after you leave, after there's a divorce or separation, it doesn't do you any good to suddenly feel empowered and aha, 
Now I'm going to punish this person for all the years of abuse I endured by using the court system or by doing things like maybe this woman is doing to Anthony or passive aggressive things just because it's my turn to inflict pain on you. Right. That isn't healthy either, but we often see that, don't we? Yes. People feel so empowered now that they've left that they're going to make up for lost time and create misery as a payback. So it's just one of the things I've been thinking about lately, how interesting it is, how we process (laughs) post-divorce, some of the marital issues. So how does this fit with Anthony? Well, chances are she was this way when you were married. It's Mm -hmm. just what you're dealing with. Probably the best boundary for the two of you is that you ended up not together because maybe that fixed the conflict as you saw it in the marriage. But people don't often look ahead and say, well, I'm going to have to co-parent with them. No, (laughs) Probably not going to be better. No, The relationship no longer has motivation, right? I was motivated to not gripe about your lateness in the marriage, but now that we're divorced, Hmm. eh, why not? Yes. (laughs) And all that does is create conflict. So what I try to tell parents that I see in individual therapy, they'll come to me or someone like me to help them process all of the emotions of getting through the divorce and post-divorce is sometimes we just have to accept that this is who we chose to marry. This is who we chose to have children with. Maybe if we were would to go back and make that choice again, we wouldn't make the same choice, mm-hmm. but you can't unring that bell. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a frame of mind of acceptance is very helpful that taking your responsibility and that everybody needs to take their own responsibility for what happened in the marriage and taking responsibility for, yeah, I didn't say anything in the marriage because I was trying to keep the peace. Yes. Okay. Well, you may have to continue to do that in your co-parenting. Definitely. You just might have to because of the kind of person that you're dealing with. And if you can create some acceptance around that for yourself, it can feel less hopeless and helpless. And you just say, this is my lot in life. And in order to get my children to the age of 18, Mm -hmm. I may have to accept some things that I think are unfair. Oh yeah. And I hear Anthony saying, this isn't fair. Why am I going through this? Why can't she just blank, fill in the blank, right? Right. (laughs) We don't know why. And asking the why question isn't helpful here. We say that all the time, right? Why questions don't really help you because even if you got an answer, it wouldn't be the answer you want. True. (laughs) So let's not ask why questions. And he ends his email with a concerned parent. And that tells me a lot. You're concerned. And we've already given you advice on just keep straight in your lane, do what you need to do, do the right thing on your end for the sake of your child, parent them the way you want them to be parented and with all the future goals in mind. But with regard to her, I think you need to stop focusing on what she's doing because probably nothing is new under the sun. Probably. Yes. You may have been a bit naive in thinking that somehow things were going to be better 
after divorce than they were in your marriage. And she, I suspect, even when you were married, always didn't seem satisfied and was always making issues. <laughs> yes. He said in his email about what she's doing. I bet she was doing that, which caused you to go, ah, I can't do this anymore. Or maybe she left. I don't know. But the thing that separated you doesn't disappear because you separate. Yeah. We get this false assumption that I can end this by leaving the relationship. And if you don't have children, you can, but if you have children, you can't. And so I thought I ended this by leaving. Oh dear. I didn't. But now, like you said, I like that. Now I'm going to say something about it, but it's not going to, you didn't say it when you were together because you wanted to preserve the relationship. And now the relationship is gone. Your motivation shifts to, I'm not going to say it because I need to protect my children. Yeah. And that's not to say that people don't amp up after divorce and become worse than who they were in the marriage. Oh, that's true. Because they don't have any more motivation to be respectful, but it doesn't change what you do on your end. And on the other side of that coin, we're not saying to keep rolling over. If you had poor boundaries in the marriage and she took advantage of it and she's still trying to do that, then the response is to develop better boundaries for yourself. Don't expect her to change or stop anything. And yeah, yeah, we're not asking you to roll over all the time. We're asking you to get better boundaries and then get her out of your head so you can focus (laughs) on your kids. Renting way too much space in there. Way too much space. Time to evict. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I think therapy could help Anthony figure out what boundaries are appropriate to set with his co-parent so that she's not in his head all the time. I don't know. He doesn't say this, but maybe they talk to each other too much. Mm. And so he's constantly being infected with this conflict. Mm -hmm. And if he could learn to compartmentalize that and maybe do something like the email protocol that we've discussed, where he is only having to think about it on a weekly basis instead of on a daily basis, that could really be helpful to his mental health and his ability to move on from this. Yep. Minimize contact. Yes. All right. Thank you, Anthony, for reaching out to us. And please, we hope that the rest of you listening will reach out. We invite attorneys and judges and other therapists and parenting coordinators and other professionals to reach out as well. We're always interested in whether or not what we're saying gels with your experiences. Yes. Please uh, please let us know. Yeah. Let us know if it works. (laughs) Yes. All right, Rick. It's good talking with you. You too. See you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, everybody. If you received something valuable out of this episode, please let us know. That really helps us to know what's important to you. Or if you have a question about your co-parent dilemma, please call our voicemail number at 1234-DILEMMA. You can also email us at 1234-DILEMMA at gmail.com. Or better yet, access us on our listener Facebook page where we engage in lots of discussion about what we say on these episodes. Just search Facebook for non-impossibles. No matter how you communicate with us, if you don't feel comfortable using your real name, just let us know. We understand. Thanks for listening.